Spirit upon us, the Spirit of forgiveness, so that we who are your children may call you Abba, Father. We ask you to be with those who could not be here tonight. Send down the legions of angels to watch all of us, and so that in this evening we may bring you glory. And we ask this in your most precious name. Amen. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, Amen. <clears throat> All right, quick review from last week. What did you learn from Father Worth? I heard it was great. Sorry I missed you. I had a funeral vigil. But any, anything that you learned that like really popped out or any questions lingering? Father Worth's a great teacher, so I'm sure you probably came away from there and got it all figured out. Okay. <laughs> well, hopefully, hopefully. So, what we're going to welcome, what we're going to do tonight is not really just talk about the theology of it, um, and, but talk more about the practice of it. And I'm going to give you a few pointers. Okay. And then we'll go do a little show and tell, and we'll actually go into the church and kind of show you the confessional. And uh, if you want to practice, we can't. Okay. <laughs> God's outside of time. <laughs> All right, so uh, just a refresher, why do we go to confession? Uh, why don't we go straight to God? Okay, God's in the confessional. Christ-like, yep. The, the priest acts in the person of Christ. We grow in the virtue of humility. We also have assurance that we hear the words, I forgive you of your sins. Yeah. And, and that's a great point, Joe, because I know oftentimes it's really tempting to be like, okay, um, I'm going to go to the confession. And you can go to confession anywhere to any priest, but there is a sense about if I'm your pastor, i got to kind of have this universal knowledge of what is actually a struggle in, in my parish. Now, human nature is human nature, so it's going to be probably the same no matter where you go, but there are certain areas in the country I mean, say like your pastor in Las Vegas, you know, those pastors probably hear the sin of greed a little bit more or, you know, gluttony than we would here. So oftentimes different locations, there's going to be different um, sins and the pastor has to direct and shepherd his whole people in a particular way. You probably saw this. Well, we go to a priest because, well, the short of the answer is Jesus set it up that way. You guys looked at this last week, I'm sure, right? John chapter 20. Jesus conquers sin on the cross. All Christians believe that. But then the first thing he does when he resurrects, he breathes on man and says, who sins you forgive, I will forgive. You know, remember when Jesus healed? He said, what's easier to say? Your sins are forgiven or be healed. And the Pharisees are like, well, only God can forgive sin. Well, Jesus is God. Then Jesus says, you shall know that, that the authority is given here on earth to forgive sins. Okay, so he breathes on them, receive the Holy Spirit, whose sins you forgive are forgiven. And then the early church practiced it. You guys probably look at these scripture verses too. St. Paul says, all this is from God, who has reconciled us to himself through Christ and given us the ministry of reconciliation. Which is probably a really good verse for the Corinthians, because if you know anything about church history, the Corinthians were pretty heathenistic. And then St. John in his epistle, if we acknowledge our sins, he is faithful 
and will forgive our sins. Okay? So that context, if we acknowledge our sins to one another. And then St. James, in his letter, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. So you guys, that's just kind of a quick review from last week. Okay, so um, how do we practice and prepare for our first confession? And how do we practice and prepare for each one of our confessions? We have what's called the examination of conscience. Sometimes a person will come to me and say, Hey, Father, I, I really struggle with making a good examination of conscience. I seem to be having the same sins over and over again. And my response is, well, are you you looking for a new sin to commit? (laughs) Um, So so one of the things that we can do is you can examine your conscience based on other ways or methods. So the most common method, and we will have these printed off, um, is the Ten Commandments and a questionnaire based on the Ten Commandments. Another way you can examine your conscience is based on the virtues. Okay, what was that time that I probably sped too fast? Well, that was probably imprudent. Okay, or that time in which I took something that belonged to another, that's a sin against justice. Or that time I was afraid to pray in public, okay, a sin against fortitude. Or the time I went through Valentino's buffet twice in one day, right? Sin against temperance. Um, the theological virtues, sins against faith. I, I have um, doubted um, the existence of God. Or sins against hope. There were times in my life I despaired. Or I presumed I was good enough. I didn't need God in my life. Or I failed to, to love God by praying every day. Um, you could also do an examination of conscience based on love, the different types of love, you know, the four um, Greek types of love. I personally like to do my examination of conscience, what you have in front of you, the seven deadly sins. For me, it's just easy to remember the acronym PLACES, PLACES, G, pride, lust, anger, coveting, envy, gluttony, or sloth, 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 we say sloth, sloth is actually the animal, sloth is a sin, Um, that's where the animal gets its name, and then uh, gluttony. Um, It's interesting to note when we look at, say, you know, the Ten Commandments, the first three commandments, are our relationship with God, because that's actually more important. Sometimes we think of, well, I broke the um, fourth commandment, uh, honoring my father and mother, or the sixth commandment, premarital sex. Um, Yes, these can be mortal sins, but because of our justice owed to God, you know, missing Sunday Mass, it would actually be a greater sin. Even though these other sins might bring us more shame, it's because of the justice owed to someone who is almighty, all-powerful, all-loving, when we break one of those first three commandments, it sometimes, depending on the circumstances and the sin, 
those first three commandments are sometimes greater. Um, when we examine our conscience based on the seven deadly sins, what's the greatest of all sins, the root of all pride, right? So oftentimes, our sins lead back to pride. I know what's best for me, right? I can eat that apple in the garden, right? Adam and Eve. We find ourselves, generally speaking, all sins lead back to pride, but oftentimes we find ourselves gravitating because human nature is broken that there is what we call sometimes a root sin. You know, um, I struggle with anger. And because I am angry, then I eat a lot of food to comfort myself. So that's a sin of gluttony. But gluttony is a sin, could be a deadly sin. But the root sin of it is anger. So you have to find out sometimes. You, you dig deep, what is actually behind these other sins? Because oftentimes there's sins on the top that are kind of masking what the real problem is. And we need to get to the root of the issue. Okay, <clears throat> that's where the examination of conscience comes in. And this will take practice, you know. It's not like, you know, after first, second, third, fourth, fifth confession, you know, it's going to be perfect because... It's the same as like going in and lifting weights. Right? You go in and examine your conscience that night. Okay, I look at my day. Eventually, once we get closer and closer to God, it's not so much um, what I've done, but what I have failed to do. Okay, we'll talk about that in a minute. Okay, so tips for making a good examination of conscience. Pray. Pray, 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 pray. I like to, um, if I'm making a, like if it's been a while since I made my confession, like before I entered it, um, into the seminary, or I should say, before I became a priest, I made a general confession. I'll talk about that in a minute. But I, I meditated on um, several different times in prayer on the Gospel of Luke, chapter 15. And remember, Jesus gives us a parable in Luke 15 of the three lost. The lost coin, the lost sheep, and the lost son, the prodigal son. Okay. Before you make an act of contrition, or, I mean, before you um, make your confession, it's good to make an examination of conscience based on the different periods in your life. Okay? So it's going to be easier for some people who are younger, right? You don't have to examine so much of your life. But what I would encourage you to do is think of, you know, really recall your time growing up. You know, maybe you can break it into different periods where you lived in different households or um, different towns or schools. But I typically like to break it up like this. You think of your elementary days. And you have to go back and recall your, your memory. And if you forget something in your first confession, it's not the end of the world. You could always bring it up the next time. Okay. Um, so reflect upon your life as an elementary student. Yeah, I remember when I pushed Timmy Tommy down the stairs. Right? I still kind of feel guilty about that. Um, or that time I took that candy from my younger brother. 
Okay, these are probably venial sins. You don't have to get to all the details of venial sins. But if you recall something, just write it down. So I make a list, elementary, my high school days. That was an interesting one for me. <laughs> my college days. Um, my post-college, maybe before I got married, once I got, after I got married, and so forth. And so it's just kind of easier to kind of break up your life into different sections because you can kind of reflect upon it. And this is a great exercise to just kind of see not only, okay, the things we've done or failed to do, but to see how God has brought you to the, this point now. Because God brings good out of even evil acts. God always writes straight with our crooked lines. So it's, it's, just, it's, it's a great exercise to see how God has been working in your life up to this point. Okay, so then you write your sins down. Now, you guys got to meet Bishop Conley on Sunday. And what a great experience that was to be there with you. Have you guys heard Bishop Conley's first confession story? I'm surprised he didn't tell it. He likes to tell it at the right of election. So he was nervous. He was 20 years old. He was a sophomore in college at the University of Kansas. And there was an old Irish priest he went through at that time, RCIA or what was equivalent to that. And they did an examination of conscience, and he wrote everything down on a little piece of index paper, very small print. And he's nervous. He says he's going in there, and he's kind of sh he's shaking a little bit. There's nothing to be nervous about. Me. But he said he's a little nervous, excited. He wants to tell. He gets in there. The confessional's dark. <laughs> He's like, uh, Father, forgive me, um, I can't read. <laughs> and the old Irish priest, oh, my son, illiteracy is not a sin. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, write your sins down, and we'll be like Motel 6 and keep the light on for you. <laughs> okay. Oftentimes, it's easy to think of things that we've done because we know the things that we've done, it's either hurt ourselves, hurt others, or hurt God. But like I say, it's, we should also think about things that we have failed to do. Okay? Um, you know, uh, and some of these things that we've failed to do can be serious sins as well. Particularly, I failed to go to Mass, or I failed to tend to my, the needs of my spouse or my kids. Um, so when we make a good exam, we have to first trust. Trust in God that he, as I said, he's going to bring something good out of all of this. And then we have to have the humility to say, okay, I recognize I'm not perfect. Spouses, you probably know you're not perfect because maybe your husband or wife tells you. <laughs> and then third, to have courage, that virtue of fortitude. We all say, I'm just going to lay it all out there because you know what? There's nothing, there's nothing that Father Worth and Father, Father Dewar or I have heard that would shock us. Yeah. It's, it's, it, it's like my um, good priest friend, Father Mike Schmitz. He says, you know, as priests, we're like God's garbage men. 
garbage men don't go around and pick up the stuff and open it up and go, whew, get a whiff of this, right? And then they go talk about it. Like, no, garbage men go there and they just want to take the trash and throw it into the garbage truck. So we're going there, picking up your trash and then throwing it into God's mercy, okay? All right, so um, the right of confession. Pass those around. Yeah, those are different ones. Okay, so there's really six steps in the sacrament of confession. Um, the nice thing and the beautiful thing about the sacrament of confession, there is a rite, which means there, there's actually a prayer that we do and go through. But if you mess up, it doesn't mean that the sacrament isn't there. The sacrament of confession is the only private sacrament. Thank God for the Irish. You tell me about the Irish last week. So, for the first 300 years of the church, Christians would get in a room like this, and they'd be like, okay, let's go around. And you would, you'd all confess your sins. And then the priest, the priest would be present, and he would absolve you all. So everyone in the whole parish community would kind of know each other's sins. But they would pray for each other. They'd intercede for each other. Now, that would take a lot of courage, right? But what probably was happening is people were either too embarrassed or ashamed. They said, okay, well, I don't want to stand up and confess that I'm having an affair with that buddy's wife who's sitting over here, you know, there's going to create some conflict, right? So uh, the Irish um, and basically invented the practice of private confession. So all, all the sacraments are public. You know, baptism, there could be more than one baptism. Um, marriage, there could actually be more than one wedding in a day and it's not a private event anyway because you always have to have two witnesses so all the sacraments are public except for confession it's private now sometimes there'll be someone who will have to come in as an interpreter or someone who is like a caregiver um, if a person has some severe mental um, disability that someone will bring them in and kind of help them get started and stuff if there's another person who helps, either as an interpreter, they are actually bound to what's called the seal of confession, which you guys talked about last week, so they couldn't say anything either. But these sacraments are, uh, it's private. So because it's a private, it can actually look a little bit different. You know, if you don't start the right way, that's okay. We, as priests, can help you go through it. But this is kind of the standard um, rite of the sacrament of confession. There's first the reception and an invitation to trust in God. Um, there's a reading of the Word of God. The priest could actually read a little psalm or something to help you get started. It's optional. Um, I don't do it that often because it kind of throws people off because they're not used to it. Then there comes the point of your confession. And then after your confession, then there'll be time for a little bit of possible pastoral counseling, advice, encouragement, questions, and then, then you do your act of contrition. The priest says absolution. 
And then there's the proclamation and the praise of God, and then the dismissal. Okay, so let's go through these. Okay, um, reception of the penitent. So you start in, you can say, bless me, Father, for I have sinned. Or some people say, forgive me, Father, I have sinned. It's been this long since my last confession, a month, three weeks. Um, um, so when you, when you come in, you will say, this is my first confession. Um, and then, then you go ahead and list all your sins. And then the priest may give some advice, encouragement, or even ask for clarification. We'll get to that in a minute. And then the priest will say, for your penance, can you say, one Our Father, one Hail Mary? Can you read the gospel for this coming Sunday? Um, can you write a note to your friend that you're hurt? Um, and if there's a prayer that you don't know, like the priest says, hey, can you say the Hail Holy Queen? Well, I don't know that prayer. Um, he can give you a different penance, or he could say, oh, it's actually found on the back of the missalette. Oh my God, I'm heartily sorry for having offended thee, and I detest all my sins because of thy just punishment, but most of all, because they offend thee, my God, who are all good and deserving all my love. I firmly resolve with the help of thy grace to sin no more and to avoid the near occasion of sin. Amen. Did you use that one last week? Yeah, what's it got in there? Does it say, I firmly resolve with the help of thy grace to confess my sins, do penance, and to amend my life? And the first part is, the dread law. Saints of hell. Is that newer or older? Um, this is actually the USCCBs. Um, what's, it say, what's it say there? I dread the loss of heaven. And the pains of hell. Yeah. So there's, there's different, there's... Several different active contritions. There's sometimes when a person wants to come to confession to me, like for instance, one time I was working out in the gym, and someone was just motivated. They see that I'm a priest. They're just motivated. They want to go to confession. And I say, oh, well, our confessions are this time. No, Father, can I go now? I'm like, yeah, as I'm sweating down on him. And uh, I say, okay, well, yeah, we'll go to find a little corner in, in the gym. And he's like, Father, I don't know the active contrition top of my head and I said, you can make you can make a sincere act of contrition from your heart. Just tell Jesus you're sorry in whatever words the Holy Spirit wants to speak through you. So or if sometimes people if they can't remember if it's not there present in a confessional, this is the easiest one. Lord Jesus, Son of God, have mercy on me, a sinner. Okay. So you're acknowledging Jesus is the one who forgives. You're asking him for mercy. And you're a sinner. Okay. And then, then the priest goes through the uh, words of absolution, which you guys looked at last week. Um, and, I, and I love this prayer because it's very Trinitarian, right? God the Father of mercies through the death of His Son has reconciled us, poured out the Holy Spirit. So you got Father, Son, and Holy Spirit for the forgiveness of sins. So you got God, power of the Spirit, to the church through the minister of the church. And I absolve you from your sins, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit.
Okay, so then um, the proclamation and dismissal, give thanks to the Lord for he is good, the priest says. And you say his mercy endures forever. You guys can take these actual um, sheets in there with you too to follow along. And the priest says, the Lord has freed you from sin. Go in peace. Thanks be to God. Okay, so what are examples of bad confessions? There are certain what we call chronic confessions. Um, people who confess their sins, they'll do penance, but they don't want to really change their life. I mean, we have to um, do the best in our power to try to change our life. Some people, and this is what you call the sin of presumption, some people say the sacrament of confession, it's, it's kind of like magic. Well, I'm going to confess today, but I know tomorrow I'm going to commit this sin again, and then I'll just go to the confession the next day. You know, Father, forgive me, I've sinned. It's been a day since my last confession. And it's the same kind of moral sin that they might have brought up the first time. So this is a chronic, you know, like say like a chronic disease or illness. Okay. Um, sometimes we get complainers. People who want to come to the sacrament of confession, not to confess their sins, but they really want to talk about how bad their spouse is. Or their kids. Can you believe that she did this and this and this to me? And I'm like, okay, well, um, this is not the right place for it. There's a line out there. Um, what have you done? Okay. Or people who are scrupulous. Okay. Scrupulosity is when we look so much at ourselves that we fail to look at the mercy of God. The prophet Isaiah chapter 53 says, by his wounds we are healed. Okay. But oftentimes in the Christian life, we look at our woundedness and we just keep picking the scab, picking the scab, and it never heals. But when we look at Christ and His mercy, we are healed. Um, there are other types of scrupulosity, you know, like I picked my nose. Okay, well, that's not really a sin. It might be bad hygiene, but it's not a sin. Well, I picked my nose and wiped it on my brother. Okay, well, that's a sin. <laughs> um, so, you know, um, sometimes people feel forced to go to confession. And this sometimes will be children come in. I don't really want to be here, Father, but Mom and Dad are making me. Well, that's a bad confession. Or a spouse. Father, I'm here because my wife or my husband is dragging me along. Or sometimes people are very vague. Um, Father, forgive me, I have, um, I have the sin of anger. Well, anger is one of the deadly sins. It's up here. What specifically of anger did you... Like, anger could be, I shot a person. I mean, that's a sin of anger. I killed someone. I was angry, I don't shot him. Or anger is, you know, I said something snarky to my wife. Now, there's a big difference, right? So you have to be a little bit more specific. Or the storytellers. Okay, Father, let me tell you. There was a time that Tommy and Timmy and I were going down to the river, and you know we got in my mom's car. We weren't 16 yet, and then went over to Timmy's and just just telling like a long story and rambling on. And there's a line of confession out there. Okay, people, this. 
this might be something we could talk about outside of confession, but you know, you want to tell the sin, maybe the circumstances around it, but you don't have to go into so many detail. And probably, well, it's best to never name an, another person. Oh, I was with, I was with, uh, you know, Tommy yesterday, and we were doing coke, right? <laughs> well, you probably don't need to tell Tommy's sin. You can say I was with a friend doing cocaine or whatever. Um, so storytelling should never probably happen in the sacrament of confession. Any questions on bad confessions? Um, okay, this is things not to do. Let's look at things to do. Good confessions. Good confessions. Sometimes people go to the sacrament confession out of a, a discipline or a habit, you know, a routine. Um, it's like, okay, it's like going to your going to the dentist every six months. I got to schedule it. I put it in my calendar every six months. They will clean the teeth. So you go to the confession as routine every four to six weeks. You can go before that if you need to, but sometimes people just come out of a habit, and a habit builds virtue. And the virtue we're looking at is the virtue to love God and love our neighbor. Other good confessions, we can call these people, you know, the lost son, the prodigal sons. Maybe they haven't been to confession over a year. Or maybe there is, you know, a mortal sin. Or sometimes people have tears, tears of repentance. Doesn't mean that you have to cry when you go to confession. But sometimes, and I know some holy holy souls that will have tears of repentance even for venial sins. You know, and I don't know who they are. It's like always those, you know, I'm never interested to know who a person is if they confess some mortal sin, but if they're like saints, you know, I want to be like, who is that? I want to know who this saint is because I want to get to know him better, you know. And and we experience that. People who have um, tears of repentance. Um, other people go to the sacrament confession as a devotion. Um, they're seeking the sacrament confession for an indulgence. Um, have you guys talked about indulgences yet? Okay, we'll leave that for another time. We'll, um, sometimes uh, people come to the sacrament confession for uh, a spiritual advice or pastoral counseling for something. They, there might be a sin attached to it, but I really want to talk to Father about maybe this one specific sin. And I know I can't take, you know, 10, 15 minutes, but maybe you can give me at least advice um, on this one, one little thing. And it might take five minutes. Uh, as priests, sometimes we get requests for to be a spiritual director, which is um, someone who is actually walking with you in the spiritual life. You're examining your prayer, the way you're living. And it's, you know, usually you meet once a month for about an hour. But when we have 4,000 4, people that are involved in this church, there's no way I can do spiritual direction for 4,000 people. And as a matter of fact, the average layperson probably doesn't need a spiritual director. They might, they need a mentor, someone that they could look up to in the faith. But I always tell people, do you have a confessor? The same priest that you go to regularly every month six weeks eight weeks because sometimes you can do more good well no god can do more good in a five to six minute confession than he can through me in an hour of spiritual direction because we get right to the point 
And it's, it's a tremendous thing to see in the sacrament of confession. Um, there's probably about four or five individuals that come to me as for spiritual um, confessions. And the beautiful thing is, I don't know them. I'd probably see them at Mass, but I don't really know who this person is. But I know their soul. There's a, a moment of grace to say, like, I'm a doctor, and I'm going to get right to the point um, as like a skilled surgeon. And I don't know who it is, but I recognize this soul, um, and we just keep going deeper every time. So sometimes there's that benefit of going to the same priest for the sacrament of confession. They may not know you as a person on the outside, but they will get to know your soul. Um, there's also what we call end confessions. Um, one of the last rites, people who can confess before they die. Uh, or maybe they're not dying, but they've been diagnosed with a serious illness. When death is imminent and you start thinking about it, these type of confessions take on a beautiful new form of grace. Um, and general confession. Um, this is what you guys will be doing for those who are entering into the church. You're looking at each period of your life. You're examining your whole life to confess anything since your baptism. If you were baptized at age 25, you don't need to bring up stuff before that because the waters of baptism washed all that away. It's still good. You might want to bring it up because sometimes, even though the, the waters of baptism wash us away, we still have concupiscence. We still have a desire for that one sin that maybe we did when we were 18 years old, even though we were baptized at 25. General confessions also happen um, when, like I said, I did one, I've done them twice now, um, when I became a missionary and when I, before I was ordained, just to look to see my whole life how God was bringing me to the point that I was. And before I made that general confession, I did an eight-day silent retreat. <laughs> So the spiritual preparation that's going to be coming for you to make your first confession is beautiful. It's profound. So I just encourage you to take time, maybe 20 minutes every day, and just kind of examine your life and how God was with you, even in those moments when you failed to love him or love another. Okay, next, or finally, um, is the supernatural. And... I put this in there because this is kind of a, it's something that I can't really label, but there are, there are times when there's something so profound that's happening in the sacrament of confession that you can't even put a name to it. Um, I can speak very vague about this because I don't think anyone would know who it is, and I'm not going to say who it is or even the sins, but I've had a, a penitent who was mute, who couldn't speak, um, mental disability, um, but they wanted to go to confession because of the way that they try to communicate to me and point to things and stuff. And so, okay, let's, let's go to the sacrament of confession. Try to write things out. I couldn't read their writing. Um, and, you know, it was just this, this moment where I'm like, okay, what, what is necessary for them Forgiveness. I don't know what their competency to understand um, their sins of the, that they've done, but they wanted to seek God's mercy and goodwill. And even though I couldn't understand them, 
and they even tried their hardest to write it out. I asked them, Are you, do you know that God loves you? He desires to forgive you, and are you sorry for your sins? And this person just wept. Even though they couldn't speak, even though they might not have had any mental capacity because of their mental illness, they knew what I was saying. And there was just that moment of grace, how the Holy Spirit had brought them um, to me. And it was the most humbling experience um, in the sacrament confession I've had. Um, or the power of the sacrament of confession um, when I was in another country, um, of the ability to, um, to experience um, an interior knowledge of a person's soul. You know, it doesn't happen all the time. But there was just that profound experience that God wanted to speak to something to bring to light that they didn't know how to. So these, these are um, what we call good confessions. Now, sometimes, sometimes what will happen in the sacrament confession, I didn't bring this up too, is they'll come in and say, Hey, Father, I had, I've, confessed, I've confessed this. I did this 20 years ago. I brought it to confession, but it's still eating at me. Okay, I can't, I can't forgive myself. And I said, okay, well, this is either, it's either one of three things. It's either one, I said, did you, did you confess it? Okay, sometimes people are eating that, that, it's bothering their conscience because they didn't confess it. If you did confess it, then it means God wants you, he's given you the memory of it. You can still do penance for it. You don't have to bring it up in confession again. God has forgiven you. Okay, you walk out that door. You don't have to bring any of that up ever again. Okay, you look at the mercy of God and not yourself. He has forgiven you. And I said, so if if it's if God doesn't want you to do penance for it, continue to do penance, then it's it's really from the evil one. The devil is an accuser. You know, he wants us to focus on our past mistakes because if we focus on our past. We don't live in the present, and love is in the present. And we can't love others or love God if we're focusing on our mistakes of the past. So it's, it's, a, tra it's a trap of the devil. So you have to forget it. Uh, the most important thing is, sacred confession is an encounter with the mercy of God. I, mean, I, hope, I hope you've probably picked that up by now. You know, mercy's one of my favorite things to talk about, especially the sacrament confession. You know, when Jesus, when Jesus told St. Faustina, he said, Daughter, when you go to confession to this fountain of my mercy, the blood and water which comes forth from my heart always flows down upon your soul. Every time you go to confession, immerse yourself entirely in my mercy. I'm here waiting for you in the confessional. Here, the misery of your soul meets the God of mercy. And then he goes on to tell her, The greater the sinner, the greater the right they have to my mercy. Even if there were more sins than the sands of the seashore, they would not be a match for my mercy. 
Of course, this is private devotion. You know, you don't have to believe in the divine mercy image or this message. But it it's, goes exactly what Jesus says. I did not come to call the righteous. I've come to call sinners. You know, and the greater the sinner, the greater the calling. Anyone familiar with this image of Rembrandt? So this is in the Herm, no, not the Hermitage. Yeah, Hermitage in St. Petersburg. Um, I was privileged. I've been to Russia. I've seen it. And it's the image of the prodigal son. So the prodigal son comes back to the father. St. Ambrose of Milan, who died in the year 397, he says, rise and run to the church. He who hears you pondering in the secret places of the mind runs to you. When you are still far away, God sees you and runs to you. He sees in your heart. He runs and he embraces you. His foreknowledge is in the running. His mercy in the embrace and the disposition of a fatherly love. He falls on your neck to raise one prostrate and burdened with sins and brings back one turned aside to the earthly toward the heaven. Christ falls on your neck to free your neck from the yoke of slavery and hands his sweet yoke upon your shoulders. This is what happens in the sacrament confession. Uh, there are times when people will come to confession that have been away for many years. And I'll ask them, what brought you in here? And they'll say something, I'm like, okay. I'll ask them, who brought you in here? Oh, it was my mom, my dad, my husband, my boyfriend. No, God, God has worked in your life to this point. He's brought you here. We call this, we've learned about this, Prevenient grace. Veni means coming. So before God gives you sanctifying grace in the sacrament confession and forgives you, He's already been working in your hearts. You know, the, the, these last few months, the desire in your heart for His mercy, He's already been working. And that shows in the story of the prodigal son. The father is waiting there for him. And when the son returns, he doesn't accuse him. Look what you did, you little jerk. <laughs> what movie was that? Home Alone. <laughs> right? He's not there to accuse you. He's not there to say, okay, now you, you are going to be treated as my servant. No, I'm going to hold a feast for you. I'm going to slaughter the fattened calf, and we're going to party. And you know what? We're going to do the same thing here. It's called the Easter Vigil. We're going to slaughter the Lamb of God. And we're going to hold a feast for you. For the Son of Mine was lost and has returned. He's dead and now alive. So it's going to be great. Okay. Um, anyone, anyone here been to South America or Peru? Uh, been to Costa Rica? Okay. Yeah, it's great. I, I love the Hispanic culture. Um, what's that? Argentina? Wonderful. So, neighbors. So, I, I had the opportunity to go to um, Peru a couple of times for some missionary work. And um, 
there was a story I heard when I was up in the Kolka Canyon, um, which is about 15,000 feet up in the above sea level. And the little village of Lari, L-A-R-I, has about maybe 1,000 people there. Agricultural village, dirt poor. But the people there are very happy because they have each other. They have a great community. It's, it's one of the most beautiful places I've visited because the people are so uh, warm and welcoming. But the desire for a lot of people is to leave rural area and go down to the big city of Lima to find a better life. And the story goes that there was a widow. Um, her name was Maria. And she had a 16-year-old daughter, Anna. And Anna had gone through all the preparatory classes for schooling. And she wanted to go find a better life for her down in Lima. And her mom's like, no, you're too young. You're not ready. And so they constantly fought about this. And one morning, Maria wakes up. And she goes to her daughter's room. And her bed's empty. And she knows that she must have left in the middle of the night to go down to the next neighboring town and catch a bus, the four-hour trip um, down to Arequipa, then get on a train to go to Lima. And so her mom, she didn't have much money, but her mom decided that um, she would take what she had, get a bus ticket, go down to Arequipa, jump on the train to get to Lima. And when she got to Lima, she went to the local drugstore, kind of our similar to Walgreens, and she took a picture of herself. And she took that photo of herself and she went to all the different seedy places of Lima, Peru. She went to the back streets, the brothels, the bars, and she placed that photo of herself. And when she ran out of her 150 photos, she got on the bus, went back up the mountains, the Colca Canyon, to her little village of Lari. One month goes by, she doesn't hear from her sister. Two months, three, or her daughter. One month, two months, three months. She doesn't hear from her. After eight months goes by, her daughter, Anna, after a hard night of drugs, being in the brothel, she walks down the stairs and she sees a familiar image. It was the picture of her mother. And when she saw the picture of her mother, she said she was cut to the heart. And as she looked at that image, she turned around on, on the back. Her mother wrote, no matter what you've done, no matter who you've become, it doesn't matter. Please come home. And she was converted. She went back home. And that's really a story for us because God says, no matter what you've done, no matter who you become, it doesn't matter. Just come home. Because his picture is painted on the cross. and says, my beloved daughter, my son, come home. And that's what the sacrament of confession is. To come home. Because as St. Paul says, God who is rich in mercy, because of his love he's had for us, even though we were dead in our sins, brought us to life in Christ Jesus. The Lord be with you. May Almighty God bless you all. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Amen. Okay, what I want to do um, now is we're going to take a, the next five minutes and just
go to show you guys the sacrament of confession so you guys kind of familiarize yourself with it. Um, please take these home. I'll send the, this note, these notes out um, to Blake to send them out to you. And know of my prayers and love and gratitude for you. yourself with it. Um, please take these home. I'll send the, this note, these notes out um, to Blake to send them out to you. And know of my prayers and love and gratitude for you. Thank you for listening to this great content from St. Peter Catholic Church. For more content, for other talks, for more information, please visit St. Peter Catholic Church, Lincoln, Nebraska, on Apple iTunes or on Podbean, and our parish website, stpeterlincoln.com. God bless you.